Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to a special interview edition of Sci-Fi Fidelity. My name is Mike, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with former member of Nine Inch Nails, Charlie Clouser, who has gone on to compose some of the most recognizable television and movie soundtracks out there. In addition to writing classic horror soundtracks for movies like Resident Evil Extinction or pretty much any of the Saw films, he also wrote the opening themes for television shows like Numbers, Las Vegas, Fast Lane, and American Horror Story. He's here to talk with me today about his work on the soundtrack for Wayward Pines, which begins its second season on May 25th on Fox. Thanks for joining me today, Charlie Clouser. Thank you. And we're here to talk about Wayward Pines. Charlie wrote the soundtrack for season one, and he also has been tapped to write the soundtrack for season two. All kinds of stuff that he's written for TV and movies. But we're very excited to have Wayward Pines returning in May. And Charlie, I think your theme music, especially great theme song for Wayward Pines, it kind of reminds me of the sound of raindrops and fog and feedback and, and dial tones, even though the story is set in Idaho and not rainy British Columbia where it's filmed. Is this music kind of meant to obscure, to kind of sound like a song that would be appropriate for a show about secrets? You know, in in the fictional town of Wayward Pines, there's a lot of bad things lurking off in the distance, kind of obscured by fog. So I tried to have the music kind of mirror that murky approach, that there's something bad that's not front and center, but kind of floating around outside the fence in the distance. And so I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that from the, the tone of the, of the score. Of course, also, I did mention raindrops there, but you also have a track from season one called Leaking Oil, which features this dripping sound very prominently. Let's hear a quick bit of that, what I mean, and then we'll come back with a question. So what instrumentation do you use for that drop sound? Well, that is some manipulated samples of actually, believe it or not, flutes and guzang, which is a Chinese instrument, kind of like a koto. And I had recorded a bunch of stuff. And that, that cue actually went through a few revisions and iterations. And what I wound up with really had... A, a lot of these manipulated recordings of these acoustic instruments where I record it into the computer and then process it with plugins and with software and wind up with something that bore little resemblance to what I had started with, but 
one thing I tried to do in in most of the the sound palette for this show is not I'm not really using synthesizers much at all. There's kind of one little synthesizer bass that I use now and the, now and then, but pretty much all of the sounds come from Boeing metal instruments like a waterphone and and uh, these sculptures that a friend of mine makes that you can play with a violin bow. So a lot of the sound palette and and some of the stuff on the cue leaking oil came from some of those instruments although by the time they've been manipulated so heavily in in software and with plugins they don't necessarily sound like what they started out as but i think that helps to give the the score it's kind of a wobbly and uneven feel and it's not precise and and mechanical i hope well that's true because wayward pines music does seem to be equal parts instrumentation and then audio engineering on top of that. So how do you strike a balance between real instruments and digital music or do you need to strike a balance at all? Well, I can I can kind of draw the best from both sides of things and and if I need sort of force and precision from say big powerful drums during some battle sequence or something like that, then I can kind of take the best from the programming side and the computer and stack up these giant drum sounds and get everything sounding very precise and mechanical. But uh, for all of the kind of floaty and moody sort of sounds and scenes, I'm really using a lot of sounds that are, that, like I said, were recorded with playing a violin bow on these jagged pieces of metal. And you can get a pitch out of the thing, but it'll be unstable and unsteady and I think that kind of out of slightly out of tune and it's sort of hesitating and staggering kind of feel to some of the sustainy kind of tones really helps set your teeth on edge and, and give the score kind of an uneasy feeling because things are not always in tune and acting as they should. And of course, if you use something that's digitally created, such as the staticky percussion that's in the theme music and actually it's also in the track climb out which we'll hear yep What inspires you to use sounds like that? Does it come from the surveillance and, and elements of the show that's uh, very secretive in nature? Well, that's good you picked up on that because there is some element of high tech in the world of Wayward Pines, what with the sort of hibernation chambers and, and all of their video surveillance and so forth. So there is an element, you know, it's not completely rustic log cabin settings, so I did want to have some kind of nod to that world. And also a lot of times those sounds, they're tortured and in pain in their own way. <laughs> you know, a lot of those sort of filtered and bleepy kind of percussion sounds sound like they've been through a lot on their way to the speakers. So that kind of fits in with the other more acoustic sounds, in my mind anyway, that are 
also kind of staggering and lurching their way towards the, the loudspeakers. So what causes you to pick maybe a central instrument? I, I uh, was a big fan of Childhood's End, which you also wrote the soundtrack for. That featured piano prominently, as opposed to strings for Wayward Pines. Do you have to pick some central real instrument, quote-unquote, that will kind of anchor it? Well, it's usually, in my mind anyway, I often categorize sounds as sounding like they're indoors or outdoors or bright and sunny or rainy and foggy. And so, you know, for instance, there was one score I did for one of the Resident Evil movies, Resident Evil Extinction. And although most of the Resident Evil movies take place in in dungeons and in sort of the subterranean city, a lot of Resident Evil Extinction took place out in the desert where you're driving across these sunny sand dune landscapes and so to me, you know, for instance, in that score, there was kind of two whole families of sounds that that coexisted. And one was the claustrophobic, more electronic sounds that would be used in the sort of underground and underground headquarters and dungeon type scenes. And then the other family of sounds is the big reverby war drums that we'd get out in the desert. And so in a similar way, when I'm approaching something like Wayward Pines, I'll try to find the category, the, the emotional category of the sounds. And I don't necessarily say, ah, this score needs to be piano or this score needs to be strings. It's sort of finding those sounds that feel like they're in the place that the show is taking place in. And there's a lot of sounds in Wayward Pines that, on paper might not fit. Um, there's a lot of, believe it or not, French horns. Uh, these samples I have of French horns that are playing these bending notes where they kind of start in pitch and then gradually bend down, but sort of incorrectly and out of tune. So as you play a chord, you have a nice, subtle and smooth sound at the beginning of the sound. And then if you hold on to it, it sort of dissolves and each note bends a different amount and incorrectly. And so I, I would use that a lot on, I'm using that particular sound a lot on Wayward Pines kind of behind it's, it's camouflaged behind all the other stuff, but it adds this, this dissonant and uncertain pitch element so that when there's other instruments in front, like some of the bowed metal sounds and some of the very gentle kind of string sounds, a lot of times to me, if there's no, wobble and uncertainty to it it just kind of sounds i don't know plain so and there's also some guitar sounds that are that don't sound like guitar that are uh, bowed guitar and guitar played with an e-bow which is like an electronic bowing device and a lot of those sounds made it onto wayward pines as well because they very often at least the the sounds that i make using those techniques very often have bends and slight pitch variations and i think all that stuff helps to give the score kind of a foggy and uncertain feel so it's not about necessarily picking a category of instrument on paper that that works correctly it's all about the sound of that particular recording or that particular performance of it yeah and of course it contributes to 
the audience feeling unsettled as well if, if things aren't what they expect. But I hope so. <laughs> that uh, brings me to season two because, of course, plot developments might change the way that the series unfolds, and I'm sure you had to take that into account. What, how would uh, season two's soundtrack differ from season one, would you say? Well, you know, season one kind of led us into the, the story and the weird, the weird world of Wayward Pines. And at the, in the first couple of episodes, you know, it might have been just this quirky little mountain town, something out of, straight out of Twin Peaks, where everybody's in on something, but you don't know quite what it is. But then as the story unfolds, things get a lot more deadly serious. And so over season one, there was a bit of an arc and some sounds that appeared in the first couple of episodes sort of went away and never came back, except in the case of a flashback type usage. Now for season two, the stakes are kind of raised in terms of the the conflicts between the characters and the different factions battling for control of the shady future of Wayward Pines. So there's a lot more kind of rugged fight type music and a lot more of the strong kind of conflict and battle drums that we started to see at the end of the first season. But there's also a weird and kind of creepy subplot involving the children of Wayward Pines, which they they hinted at a little bit and got into a little bit in the first season. And now some of the, the details of the program that exists for the children in Wayward Pines starts to become more of a, a prominent storyline. And that's just a messed up storyline. And so there is kind of this sub story involving that. And that's got its own weird off kilter little family of sounds that I hope are going to be a nice contrast to some of the more bold and rugged conflict and battle type music that I'm just starting to get into now for this season. All right. Well, I really appreciate you talking to us about this wonderful soundtrack and definitely have enjoyed your music on other television shows as well. Thank you. So thank you very much for talking to us today. My pleasure. Enjoy. Remember, you can catch Charlie Clauser's wonderful work as you enjoy the second season of Wayward Pines starting May 25th on Fox. And you can tune into Sci-Fi Fidelity the first week of each month as we bring you science fiction discussions and interviews for shows that deserve your attention. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sci-Fi Fidelity and follow Den of Geek at Den of Geek US. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.